Wait, what's her name? The lady. The lady with the red hair. She's American. From She's da- famous. Very famous. <gasps> Shirley MacLaine. I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to I Don't Get It. This is a podcast about performances in Edmonton. At least it is this week. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm Fonda. I'm Colleen Fian. And uh, yeah, today we uh, are here with a review of an actual play that we saw. In real time, we went to a theater. Together. Yay! Uh, um, We saw The Great Whorehouse Fire of 1921, uh, a a production of Northern Light Theater. And um, the Marscona Theater. Yes, a real live physical theater. I know, and there were like restaurants nearby. We like went to one of them. It was like so... 2018 it was it seemed so special because we haven't done it in so long (laughs) and actually it was quite special um but before we start talking about the show we are going to um give you a few messages from our sponsors this episode of i don't get it is brought to you by roomy cold drafts flickering lights and where's that leak coming from if you've ever wondered what's really going on in your home roomy ask a home inspector service can help Connect with a certified professional home inspector by phone or video call and get your answered your questions answered. Rumi will let you know what's easily fixable with a little DIY or when you might need to call in some professional help. Visit Rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, and book your Ask a Home Inspector appointment today. episode is also brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally-focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Now, if you want to start your day as an informed citizen, check out The Pulse, Taproot's daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. It, and... It's free. Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. All right. So, Colleen, the great whorehouse fire of 1921. Yes. Um, I mean, initial thoughts walking into the theater. What do you see? What are you thinking? Oh, my goodness. So you walk in and the stage is set with a sort of a, a house setting with some some crystal droppings from it and a beautiful chandelier. And then on the outside, as uh, sort of referred to in our opening, there's some like plastic snowdrifts. So it's very clear that they've sort of set the stage where there's sort of a warm, um, encompassing space. Um, and then there's a lot of there's a lot of external around it. So so there's a comfortable space and then there's there's reality outside of it. Yeah, there's sort of like the frame of a house and what's inside the house, some sort of like vintage nice furniture. Um, I'll, I'll want to note that the uh, production design was by Alison Yanoda or Yanada. Um, for, forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, but yeah, I thought the production design was very cool. It lent really interestingly to um, the way that the story was told because they kind of, the two characters in this um, are Mrs. Hastings and Mrs. Smith, played by Sue Huff and 
Twilla McLeod. Um, and the two characters, they sort of jump inside and outside of the house. Outside of the house, there's sort of like an, a bit of an external narrative mm-hmm. of like what's happened in the past or them sort of like filling us in about essentially what happened in the fire right. um, or, or what or happened leading maybe leading up to the fire. Yeah. Um, and then there's what happens in the house. And what happens in the house is it's kind of it kind of runs the gamut really of like um i don't know female friendship adultery all these things childbirth. like <laughs> yeah, so yeah there yeah it starts off with yeah. childbirth that's right so like yeah so there's sort of the opening the opening pieces are sort of some um highly l- lyrical language around um what's happening in a tragedy that that's happening in the moment and then immediately the first sort of um "Quote unquote normal scene is is the two women experiencing childbirth happening in a far off room where there's just the sounds of it, and uh, <laughs> and I I actually thought off the top it was like it was intercourse as opposed to initially childbirth. initially I did too and I think maybe that's that's intentional <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it is called the the the, the whorehouse of 1920 so um so earlier on or early on you you realize that it's uh, this whole show is really constructed around these two female friends and and their relationship to the, to each other and w- within the town that in within they that they live mm-hmm. well they don't really start out as friends so sure. so so the, so the roles that they go in with are there's um i think the governess of mrs hastings yeah. is wait hold on make, no that's make, a madam yeah well they say mrs they call them both mrs right pragmatically <laughs> um but there's the the governess of the house that where the women are giving birth and then and then there is um the the madam you know the other misses of the whorehouse really um and these two have been brought together because one of the women who lives in the whorehouse with mrs hastings um is giving birth um and they happen to be in the governess's house because the governess is there to help so inherently these are both women who have charge and influence over ostensibly of younger women so Mm -hmm. they are women who have spheres of of influence Mm -hmm. in their own respects and as we sort of move through the plot it sort of it's so interesting because I think so. So I was fortunate to get to see this show with a very close female friend of mine, and we. Have, who who's, who <laughs> is that? Fonda Mithrush is a very close female friend of mine, and we have been friends for the better part of the last twenty years, and moved through lots of um, different modes and, and 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 versions of our own lives, and and you know had our own ebbs and flows in our relationship, and and it's so interesting because you see this relationship between the two of them which i would say watching the show is a very transparent and and connected relationship but then you sort of see and and you, it's only ever alluded to because the all the scenes are actually just the two of them interacting but then you mm-hmm. get this allusion to how the two of them have to interact in the rest of their lives mm-hmm. and so it's sort of this interesting moment where you get to see how the two of them justify how they behave in the rest of the world and then reconcile it while the two of them are together mm-hmm. there's a lot of um th- there's a lot of sort of goings on about mrs smith and the other women in the community um and it seems like you know for the time it is set in 1921 um there's a lot of talk of the church mm-hmm. presbyterian church in <laughs> particular um but there's um there's this whole sense that um, Mrs. Smith has a certain role in the community and that she plays with uh, the other women in her life or the other women in the community that Mrs. Smith has a, like, and a very, a very different 
sort of role that she plays in the community. Undoubtedly, though, she does have one, a, yes. quite an important one, as is found out later in the play. And we don't want to give away everything that happens no. in the play, but because you sort of know, even from the very beginning scenes, that the whorehouse burns down from the title of the play, um, that something happens, you know, mm-hmm. to, to Mrs. Hastings and her, um, her, her domicile, at least. So what I found was really kind of interesting, though, is that... Um, Early on in the play, you know, the, the two characters do seem a little bit uh, like they like they wouldn't mesh, that there's not a natural match there. But they do end up developing a rapport with each other and a friendship. Um, but the friendship always seems to kind of boil down to a little bit of transactionality, yes. right? Like there's e- always a shifting power dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing, actually. The, I think the playwright quite, quite skillfully, you know, one scene is sort of one of the friends sort of getting the upper hand on the other and then the next scene it sort of shifts and then the other one has the upper hand and it it, it seems to kind of move quite quickly between those sort of power dynamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that it, in certain ways, I don't know, and maybe it was just because I identified more uh, with the the Hastings character just in sort of her her rawness and her just sort of kind of like very casual, blunt uh, humor and things like that, that that she just, like, she just had no time for the sort of, um, the show of the bourgeoisie at the time, right? Like, she's just, like, even even though she actually made her living, she acknowledged that she's like a business person, you know? She, she built her house based on the needs of what she knew was there and that's how it happened and she was and she made no bones about it really right mm-hmm. um i was actually also kind of surprised at how um unlicentious the play was like they like there was just very little talk of there was very little raunch or sexiness to it um I think that the 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 makeup and the design was a little bit gothy, but it was yes. it, it never went into um, it didn't it didn't go it wasn't in promiscuous. Yeah, it wasn't promiscuous or raunchy at all. I mean, like the, they used the term fellatio a couple times, and that was sort of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so the madam, Mrs. Hastings, who's presented in the play, like she's wearing these sort of lovely um, sort of flapper kind of dresses and this like this great stole that she has that's sort of a stiff satin or sorry a stiff um, silk stole but but it's not licentious in any way but it's but it still sort of gives her the gravity of being a bit fabulous and mm-hmm. and then and then also on the, on the on the other hand you have mrs smith who is a god-fearing married woman um <laughs> who who looks after the young ladies of the town who get their, themselves into trouble but she has this like crazy bouffant bun and this like dark eyeshadow and butterflies all up the side of her dress and i was like that's a bit fabulous for a god-fearing woman who puts up <laughs> I thought that she looked like sort of like a very campy version of Aunt Hetty from Road Avonlea. But very like yes, after you said that, I was like, yes, totally. <laughs> but, but also campy. Yeah. So, but so Mrs. Hastings kind of reminded me of like the Shirley MacLaine character from Downton Abbey, who just comes in and she's like got this fabulous shock of red hair and these fabulous silk outfits, and she's just like, yeah, I talk like a sailor. Sailor, here I am. Deal with me. Whatever. I think she just still reminds me of Shirley MacLaine in general. Like, <laughs> I think that's a perfect, that's totally a perfect, I, I, like even the clothing, it was, yeah. it was absolutely perfect. Um, 
Yeah, well, I mean, so what did you think you as we were walking away from the show, I think you had um, a, a bit of a of an issue to raise um, in that in that there were no um, there were there were they, although there were they were talked about there were no men in the show and there was no um, there was no blame really on the men at all. The the you know, the madam really gets blamed for everything. <laughs> She does. So in the context of the show, so the women start out in their friendship and all the, these young women that they, the two of them sort of have charge over keep having these babies and, you know, and the, the, Mrs. Hastings, the madam, sets up shop next to a mine and the men just come and go. And, and then there's some issue of there's, there's the husbands in town who sort of get into the thick of it. And the entire show revolves around this, the Mrs. Smith and Mrs. Hastings, and there's no real mention of the men, and, and, and turmoil ensues, and Mrs. Hastings loses her home and business, and there's no, um, well, I don't want to give away things, but yeah, Mrs. Hastings, well, the whorehouse burns down, and it's done um, sort of in the context of this relationship. And there is no accountability or blame at all apportioned to the men of this town. It's all sort of dealt with as between women. And I, and I, you know, as a human woman, I live in a, I live in the world, and I also have female relationships wherein, you know, there's blame and anger attached to things that happen as between women that really aren't about women and it's sort of interesting to see this presented on stage where it just there's no mention of the role that the men played in mm-hmm. in any of this mm-hmm. and I think I had I came away and when you said that I came away with uh, that I had a really different reaction to it in that I didn't I didn't even think about the men at all other than that they were sort of tangentially attached to the women who were complaining about XXX you know in in, in the story and I think that that was, I think that that was sort of like an interesting takeaway in that this play didn't need the men characters at all. They were talked about in a certain way. Um, did the play pass the Bechdel test? No. Um, you know, they do, they still do talk about, um, for the most part, they, they still do talk about their partners. Um, and how their partners affect their lives and what is still happening in the show. Um, but what I think I really appreciated was that there were sort of these, um, you know, instances of, of kind of like actual true appreciation for each other and just appreciation, appreciation for each other's skills outside of what was um what was normally expected of them mm-hmm. absolutely and what is normally expected of them in relation to uh a female or male and, and male relationship like they this uh, I, I actually really enjoyed watching this play because it felt often like um female inter inter female relationships that i have where you sort of get to be real and and sort of um talk about your feelings and your struggles in your life but then when when something subjectively happens to one of the characters that is really ultimately the fault of the men in the town mm-hmm. and the other women in the town are actually blamed for it like i it's just sort of made me stop and it's like wow the men just just like oh boys will be boys those bitches you know like Mm -hmm. i just it's interesting but uh, but i but i found but i did find watching a lot of this play it made me really reflect a lot more on my um female friendships that i have and and sort of the context in those it's interesting that you brought up the adage of boys will be boys or you know like (laughs) them's bitches i guess but um because there was 
some very interesting use of scripture in the play. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that Linda Wood Edwards, the script, um, the use of just like very like chosen chosen Bible verses, really well dropped, um, and also um, poetry um, that that was included in the play was very effective, really well used, um, and I like I did really appreciate it. I thought that the script was really brilliantly done. Actually, there is one moment where um, Mrs. Smith is sitting. Um, on the couch and telling uh, the madam about the recipe for how to get along in her relationships with oh I loved it these other women it was it, it was it is it, a little bit of a monologue very short monologue um, oh, it was maybe a minute or so but it was like I feel like I could learn things yeah like I was just kind of like I really should be writing this down <laughs> for my next dinner party because this is <laughs> Not my next dinner party with my good friends, but my next dinner party where I have to actually just, like, fucking survive with people that I don't know how to talk to or how to, you know. Mm -hmm. You know how small talk can be excruciating for me. (laughs) And for many people, I think. But, like, this, she goes through this monologue and just, like... the, the The ticket alone is worth it just to hear this woman talking with someone who at that point is not really a close friend of hers. Mm -hmm. She is divulging how vulnerable she feels and how hard it is to actually get through some of these social situations. And I would, I would imagine that most women listening to this recipe list of how to survive in a social situation, primarily with most of the other women, you sit there and you go, Oh shit. I thought I was the only one that had that recipe. Mm -hmm. And, and it's like, Oh, yeah, no, we're all doing it. Like, it's such a humanist moment, actually, for me. Yeah. And so what do you think, I mean, that we all identify with that, that I think that every, every, not only every woman, but probably everyone in that audience had uh, some way to sort of identify with that speech, with that recipe for how to deal um, with a social a social group. Mm-hmm. What do you think that this says about um, maybe the difference between friendship, close friendships, that exist outside of the social construct. The The friendship between these two characters was very much outside of what the community really understood their roles to be. Well, I think that, I think that's a great question. I think that, I think that there are needs that we have filled by participating in, com- in a community, but I think there's also needs we really have as individual humans to be really heard and felt. And especially if that's not happening in the context of your romantic relationship, I think that, you know, we seek out um, really transparent understanding. And if you find it, it really doesn't matter who it's coming from. It could, but when you find that sort of moment of connection, I think that as humans, we, we, we have to give into it a little bit. And, 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 and that, and as in the context of this play, it leaves room for huge betrayal if it's sort of like, quote unquote, the wrong person that that little moment of connection happens with. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very ideal to think that we would all find that simply in um, the context of, of our families or in our romantic relationships. But, but I certainly as between women, I think that we, I, I think that there are very profound relationships that happen that are, that are, um, transparent and, and connective um, outside of just our simple communities. And mm-hmm. and so I think when you do find that connection, it's undeniable. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, it's 
one thing that I've learned over the last year, I've been listening to a lot of Esther Perel. We'll just put that out there. Um, because, you know, like the, the, the mistress, the master of all relationships, Esther Perel, she, she talks about how we have this, um, this very sort of like innate need, a, a, a contemporary need really to make our romantic relationships matter in 100% every single way possible. Whereas, there there are rewarding levels to friendships and different kinds of friendships that I think sometimes get a little bit written off when it comes to um you know like say your your life partner or romantic partner or or whatever or even your best friends right like your best and closest friends maybe should not fill the needs of some of those more transactional relationships that you have in your community and life right and I think that um yeah learning learning to navigate the way that those relationships work is is sort of interesting but I mean I really enjoyed the show it was a very um it, it was interesting I thought that the performances um were great oh by my, the two I transported I, like I just I was transported the moment the show started it was like mm-hmm. the lights went down and then stuff happened and I was entranced and then like I don't even know how long it was later and it, and I it was a great ex- I never sat in my seat going like when is this going to be over of course not no I mean like and and like what how how are we doing this again? <laughs> isn't it isn't it amazing that theater is actually happening and we're sitting we're we're sitting we in ran seats. Into people we knew at the theater and it was great, but we all had to like pull our masks down for like two split seconds and be like, "This is who I am." It's be like it's me. And it's everyone me. Was like, oh yeah, yeah you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that yeah. was fun. No, but I I I will honestly say that the director Trevor Schmidt did a fantastic job. I feel like when you don't sense a lot of the you know the the direction or the kind of just kind of like you should do it like this sometimes <laughs> i don't know maybe i don't know what i'm saying there but like i felt that it was very seamless in this production like i didn't sense that there was a heavy hand i felt that the performers had a lot of agency and a lot of um uh just yeah command of what they were doing and it was great um very well-rounded characters both of them um i've (laughs) not seen sue huff do anything like this before so it's really cool um and also i will note that trevor schmidt's mask is uh like covid mask was sort of the best thing i've ever seen it's just sort of like an open gaping mouth cheering (laughs) so so when he sees you at the door it looks like he's like actually like really yelling and loud and happy to see you and it's just like oh that's delightful <laughs> yeah no all the happy things yeah well i mean so well that was the great whorehouse fire of 1921 you can go and see it until november 25th running at the varscona theater colleen what else is happening at edmonton there's like so much stuff happening isn't there a thing do you know what be mary is ballet edmonton is running be mary uh shortly coming up early in december which is a beautiful um show that they do customarily in december as a supportive for ballet edmonton and that's at the Varscona Theater too, right? You bet. Yeah. And I know that Brian Webb Dance Company also released the news of their season that's happening. Um, it's, get this, it's called, without the dancing, there ain't no dance. It's like one of Brian's favorite quotes ever, I think. <laughs> 
Um, it's the Brian Webb Dance Company's 43rd season. It starts off in January. I believe it's up on their website now. Of, co- of course, we'll put all the links up to um, these things in our show notes. Other things that are happening in town right now, Jason Kenny's Hot Boy Summer with Grindstone Theater is still running um, at Campus St. John. Um, I, I Actually, it's running this weekend. It's sold out this weekend, but I believe they've um, started an extra run, like an additional run later in December. Uh, that there are still tickets available for because who doesn't want to see Jason Kenny's Hot Boy Summer? It's a musical about Jason Kenny. Um, Stephanie Wolf is delightfully um, Rachel Notley in oh, in it, okay. and uh, yeah, I think that it's um, pretty good. Of course, Christmas Carol starts up at the Citadel soon. Our next episode will be seeing Shumka's Nutcracker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with my friend. I'm headed to the symphony next week because that is just still happening and thriving. Yeah, like things are actually back in full swing. Um, So, you know, well, go see some shows, everyone. And and yeah, and and support the support the organizations and the groups where um, you can, because after the last couple of years, they 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 sure could use it. All right. Until next time, everyone. Say bye, Colleen. Goodbye. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Episodes are produced by Fonda Mithrush and Paul Blanard. We are recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli. Series art by Michael Nunweiler. Technical support by Andrew Paul. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you value independent local arts coverage, please consider supporting us on Patreon or leaving us a review on your podcatcher. Find out more at idontgetityeg.com.